Hey folks, welcome back for part two of our interview with Cody Stavenhagen. Cody is the Detroit Tigers beat writer for The Athletic Detroit. Um, this is another combo podcast between myself, Brandon Day of the Bless You Boys podcast and Mark Garash of the Don't Call It a Rebuild, It's a Team Build podcast. Um, in part two of this uh, fairly lengthy interview, we're going to talk a little bit about the bullpen. Um, you're probably going to find out that both Mark and I are a little bit of the view that Spencer Turnbull is is the proverbial hot potato. We're going to talk about Jacoby Jones and a little bit of Harold Castro, the magic man. Um, Kristen Stewart a little bit. Some of the guys who are a little bit on the cusp, um, sort of between like the prospects, the one or two established guys that the Tigers actually have. Um, so we're going to get into those guys, talk a little bit about predictions um, and the impossibility of predictions this season. And then at the end, we'll just chat Cody up a little bit um, about what he's been doing over the last couple months with no real baseball news to report on. Um, we're all back back into it now, which is great. We're seeing some Tigers baseball on the live stream, at least. And so let's get this pod back underway. And thanks a lot for joining us again. All right, Coach. So, I mean, they really haven't, you know, had too many guys throw in short stints. But you have a bullpen right now that's comprised of Joe Jimenez, Buck Farmer, uh, a tall hat and a lot of names in it. So, so t- tell me what you're seeing and, and give me give you some thoughts on how and what kind of bullpen could shape up, and then I'll give you some Mark Gorosh thoughts on that. All right, let me uh, – I haven't written this on paper in a while. Let me try to uh, figure it out. You have Joe and Farmer for sure. I think you uh, – Greg Soto for sure. Um who else are you guys big on? Well, I think McKay is going to get a look at least, just because just because of the stuff and because they probably need to decide. Yeah, uh, he continues to just not look that good, but I like him a lot. Here, okay, Roni Garcia has about earned himself. Oh yeah, um, a lot, especially being a Rule Five pick, and he has pitched. That's a guy who's been impressive. Uh, lock, was, lock. He was tremendous the other day. Um, even for more of a pitchability guy, his stuff sizzled a little more than, than uh, I thought it would. So Joe, Farmer, Soto, Garcia, that's four. Jose Cisnero? Cisnero, I think, is, is right, so, so, so let's, let's talk about that for a second. How did his <laughs> stuff look? Or you couldn't really tell? Uh, I didn't notice anything huge. I think he threw one inning. He obviously... Fastball velocity was the big thing that stood out. I didn't, uh, I didn't pick up anything super insightful on Cisnero, but pure stuff wise, he's he's as good as it gets in, in this crop of players. Okay, he, he in the spring, I thought he did not look very good this spring. Now, hopefully, better shape, better arm strength, and he wasn't. He Go didn't ahead. pop for being sharp uh, yesterday. You know, doesn't mean he was bad, but it wasn't like oh, Cisnero. Cisner point, you know, a thirty-year-old reliever. You know, not being sharp yesterday. I'm not going to get too worried about. Although Cisneros has never really had very good command, but I'm going to. I'll give him a couple more outings before 
I start paying attention to that. But yeah, he's in the mix. How about Dario Agrizal? He's looked very good. He's another pitchability type profile. He doesn't do anything that wows, but uh, he has some experience. He just seems to be able to get guys out. He's the type of guy that, uh, for better or for worse, Rick Anderson and company probably like quite a bit. I think yep. he's, he's in good shape. I mean, I think that last bullpen spot is really interesting. So Tyler Alexander is going to make the bullpen. Um, probably a swingman type role. Mm-hmm. Um Right now, I'm putting Shang in the bullpen. Uh, that's not a lock, but I've been very impressed with him. Um, so then you're really looking at Agrizal, McKay, some of these other guys, you know, Godley, Santiago. Do you really want to give them a shot? Um, there will be kind of a handful of guys competing for the last one or two spots, but I think Jimenez, Farmer, Soto, Cisnero, Garcia, Alexander are locks. Right now, Shang and Agrizal have a very good chance of making the bullpen, um, and then I think I think that's going to leave you with kind of one more, more spot that probably McKay, unless someone really unseats him. Well, I, I I have some thoughts on this. I've been giving it a lot of thought, and this is part of the fact that I've reached the point of impatience now, and I want to try to start doing a few things that may. Maybe it's time they start building something that takes winning a little bit more seriously. And give you some thoughts on this. If you, you know, if you look around baseball, you know the Padres for years have had all these prospects. And on top of the fact they signed Hosmer and Machado, yet still haven't won over you know 81 games in a while. But what they have done on there, which Preller has really done an interesting thing now, is. They have an absolute bullpen that will be a nightmare for anybody that they're going to face. They just have four or five guys. You know, Kirby Yates, I think, if you follow baseball a little bit, came from nowhere to be just a shutdown closer last year, almost unhittable. They have about three or four other guys now that throw 100 miles an hour and actually throw a few strikes. And their bullpen will really, really be good this year. And I was thinking that if you do not have a really good bullpen in baseball in twenty in the twenty twenties, you're you're not going to win anything. I mean, and you're almost it's it's almost more interesting to build your pitching staff from the bullpen backwards than it is from the rotation forwards. And you know, the Detroit Tigers should start thinking at worst about building a bullpen simultaneous to building a rotation. My my feeling about some of these pitchers has, you know, I, I've, I've discussed it previously, and I'd be curious with your opinion about it. Look, we, we do not know why Tyrek Skubal is not throwing right now. We do know he was just throwing lights out before. So, you know, we should assume that let's, I, I think if he had an arm injury, we would know about it. And so I'm going to assume whatever health reasons that he's, not currently with the team, we we, we can spec. We, it's not too hard to speculate why. So let, let's hope for the best and hope that he comes back. And I'm going to base my idea on the fact that he will. And also, I'm experienced enough at, at baseball things to know is it's July 10th. We're not playing until July 24th, and then we're going to play for 60 days. So there's a lot of baseball to be played, and 
what things start looking like on September 1st are going to be a lot different than they look today. So my idea is, look, Tigers have some starters, at least for right now. I've been pretty vocal about my feeling. A lot of people love Spencer Turnbull. I like Spencer Turnbull. He also was 0-13 in his last 13 decisions, and his ERA was 550. So you can tell me how great he was, and his FIP was terrific, and I'm very fluent in all those things, and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of things I like about Spencer Turnbull. But Brandon and I have had this discussion many times. and uh, He's also also 27. That's another thing to add. He's 27 already. Which is young for – not that old for a starter. No. But but what I was going to say is – I think Spencer Turnbull is a power reliever. I've said this for a while, and it would, you know, so my, here's my thought. Look, Detroit is a terrible bullpen. I'm not even sure Joe Jimenez is a closer. I'd like to think he is, but I'm not sure he is or not. On a really good team right now, he's probably throwing the seventh, sometimes the eighth. So, you know, don't kid yourself, people. Don't tell yourself a story like my father used to tell me a hundred times. <laughs> so what I'd like to try to do is, look, you got Greg Soto, throws 97 to 99 power lefty showed a lot of really good things last year showed a lot of really bad things last year but i like the progress as the year went on power lefty you got chang throws high you know 96 98 i would make tarek scubel at least for this year to get his exposure and get some innings i'd take him old school josh Hader. he'd be throwing five at the eight outs for me, coming in, end of games, left-handed, blowing people away. Joe Jimenez, same thing. Buck Farmer, same thing. Spencer Turnbull, same thing. Guess how many players I have. I just use six fingers, okay? Then you got to obviously keep Rony Garcia because it's too easy not to make a Rule 5 guy. And then you're going to feed Tyler Alexander and Dario Agrizal in and out, doing long stuff when things don't go well. Um, Dave McKay, well, I've been pretty clear about Dave McKay. I like the spin rate on his curveball. I don't, I've never seen him get anybody out ever, and nor do I think he probably will. He's just the kind of guy that teases you. It's really hard. I hope he's good. I'm not expecting much of anything. Okay. Um, you know, Seattle didn't give him away because he was, was getting people out. So, you know, the bottom line is I want to make a power bullpen. And I, you know, I think the idea of having Greg Soto, Tyrek Skubal, Spencer Turnbull, Joe Jimenez, and Buck Farmer for five guys down there, not a terrible idea, and it's a heck of a lot better than what they got. You know, you got plenty of guys to start, and especially in a short season, and I don't think it'll hurt either Turnbull or Tyrek Skubal to be down in the bullpen, and you could always convert either one of them back to be starters next spring. So that's my two cents. That's my power bullpen idea. And I know they won't do it, but I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, I love that idea. Um, I mean, if you want to win, that, that's exactly what, what they should be doing. Um, and, you know, the, the point that they're going to always want to balance it against is, you know, well, we, you know, we want to be careful with some of these guys' development. But like we've already said, like, you know, there's only going to be two months you're not really going to be able to control guys' development who are, you know, just, just down at Toledo playing intra-squad games anyway. So, I mean, it kind of feels like, and I was kind of leaning that way too. Like, you know, you don't want to necessarily rush this guy or you don't want to, you know, get somebody hurt or any of that. But 
I just don't know if any of that is even going to matter because this is just going to be like this weird sprint with guys, you know, disappearing from the roster because of positive COVID tests. Like it's going to be bizarre. So if we're going to do it, you might as well just try to win um, and just go all in because I, I don't really see any other way to to operate that is going to give you, you know, give you anything else. It's not going to there's no way to develop the guys the way you normally would. So, you know. Put them in a put them in the situation where it's like, look, we're we're going all in, and we expect you guys, you know, to be competitive. It's a sixty game season; anything could happen. You know, if if just one or two bats that we're not really expecting, um, you know, do at least decent work for you, yeah, the Tigers might have as good a shot as anybody. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen. Happen. Um, Cody, you know, which, which, one Cody. team loses two guys to you know their two top starters, you know, to, to positive tests or something like that, and this whole division's wide open again. So yeah. Cody, what, what's your what's your thoughts about some of that stuff? Which is grim to say, but <laughs> you know it is. It's just the way it is. It, it's an awesome idea. I would love to uh, do that in a video game or something. And it's it's not even that it's unrealistic. It's just that given the the state of the Detroit Tigers and and uh, the people in the front office and the people writing out the lineups, it's hard to see something that creative and let's face it, even a little bit risky taking shape. I think the big point I agree with you here on is that the Spencer Turnbull's long-term future, I also think is as a power reliever. And that doesn't mean he's a bad starter. He could also maybe be a nice trade piece in another another year or so as a starting pitcher. So that could be some incentive to leave him in the rotation. Uh, uh, But I I think long-term, that's how his profile is just going to play the best. And then another reason this stuff just won't happen the unfortunate reality the no fun reality do you want to go to spencer turnbull and Tarek school and whoever else and tell them hey you're going to be in the bullpen now might help the team win games that's probably still not going to be received super well by guys who view themselves as starting pitchers um so it's a great idea if we were in tampa bay maybe we could talk about this and think oh this might be a lot of fun um Unfortunately, that's that's just not where we're at. Yeah, I mean, Turnbull might be cranky about it. I, you know, Tarek Skubal will probably, you know, leap at any chance to pitch in the major league. So you, you won't have a problem there. But, yeah, but I, I take your point. It's just it's just not in these guys' M.O. to to approach things this way, unfortunately. Well, you know, I personally could care less if Spencer Turnbull would be happy about it. I think Spencer Turnbull should be really excited to – do anything he could to be helping the team win and be good. I mean, yeah. You know, well, well, and my fear I, with Spencer I, I Turnbull is that every every year he's going to start out for you strong for you know a month or two, and then his shoulder is going to start to go on him because it does every just about every year starts all having five real years. yeah, sh- it, you know, it, shoulder it, fatigue, and so you're never going to be able to trade him either because he's never going to be at his best in in July, you know, and, and heading toward the trade deadline. So yeah, I mean, I'd love to just convert him as well. I got news for you: you know, locker rooms can be brutal, and I'm amazed that Spencer Turnbull's nickname isn't shoulder fatigue. So it, it's you know, come on. I, I think it's listen. Relieving is not simple on your shoulder either. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the Tigers need to start being a little bit more realistic and mature about trying to build a baseball team and using players in ways that maximize their potential. So I think I, I wrote, I wrote down a little note to myself. 
I would take this time to audition every idea that I could, okay? They got 60 games. They won 47 games last year. They have some talent. I would leave no stone or idea unturned, okay? Yeah. They're, they're, they're not going to the World Series this year. They need to find a few things out, okay? So... Um, all right, so let's, let's try well, to get into let me, let me do one more, let me just make one more point because I, I'm just going to keep bringing it back to the, the complete uncertainty level of, of the COVID thing. And rather than, you know, be proactive and try to do these things, they may just end up be forced into doing them, which, which is never the optimal way to go about it, you know, where it's like, yeah, we didn't want to do this, but okay, you know, Tarek, you're coming up to relieve because, you know, these three guys, you know, one guy got hurt. These two guys didn't pass their test. And then the game is just playing you at, at that point rather than, you know, than them making these decisions in advance and then, you know, just taking their chances, you know, with, with whatever comes. But, yeah, it's all right. That's the last I have on that. I mean, uh, we're, we're all uh, frustrated uh, with these guys. <laughs> let's all right. Let's, let's, let's assume we could play 60 games. So let's, let's do some fun stuff. So let's have a little speculation uh, of who we think can do – some fun stuff in a 60-game season for, in, in all of baseball because I think it, it is going to be a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and just some really weird things are going to happen. So I was curious if we could maybe make a few predictions of players that might you know, win either some awards or, or, or do some fun things. So I was going to ask you guys, who do you think in, you know, may pop up to win a batting title can be either league? And I, th- I think it's an interesting question because a lot of guys can get, you know, really hot and hit 385 for 60 games. So I'm curious if you had some thoughts on that. I'm going to go, I'm going to pick Brandon Nemo just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Coach, you got to have a few guys. Oh, that's an interesting one. I saw today the old stat. My uh, my favorite player actually, Chipper Jones, was hitting like four sixteen through uh, sixty games at age thirty six or thirty seven. Oh wow! You know, see what can happen. And um, someone's gonna have an insane insane BABIP. Tim Anderson won the batting title last year with an insane BABIP. Uh, maybe he hits like two hundred this year. Um, in terms of a guy who comes comes kind of out of nowhere. That's a good question, man. Uh, Javi Garcia. <laughs> Don't laugh. I'm not. He might, you know, he's that dude who, when he just gets on a roll and just starts raking, you know, like all of a sudden the ball falls in for him like crazy for, you know, for a month or two, and then he turns back into the pumpkin, but... I mean, so do we not want Alex after. Bregman? We we don't want to use the guys that we would normally expect, Mark. Is that what you're saying? No, you can use okay. anybody. Yeah, I right. maybe, I'm taking some, Alex Bregman. Maybe a good... Maybe a good player has a great year, okay? So, yes, I think that, you know, uh, all right. So I, I, I was having a little discussion the other day with our mutual buddy, Anthony Fennec, and, and he was totally on board with this idea. My, my idea of somebody that could surprise and win the batting title this year, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. Wow. Oh. I could see the batting title. Yeah. I mean, if he's feeling good, I could see Miggy hitting 300-ish or just getting, you know, getting some BABIP luck. It's going to take some luck. That's for sure. Yeah, it's going to take some luck. But, I mean, Miguel Cabrera, if he 
can probably stay healthy for 60 games. And if Miguel Cabrera can stay healthy for 60 games, it's hard not seeing him probably hit like 335. So uh, if, if he's healthy. So, I mean, Miguel Cabrera can hit 280 on one lap. Yeah. So what keeps coming to mind to me is those guys who are real streaky, you know, like not necessarily like the, the best like OBP guy, but you know, a guy like Nick, like, you know, Castellanos is a guy who I've seen, you know, hit 385, yeah. 390 for a month at a time. Nick Castellanos in that ballpark in Cincinnati. He's a dangerous be. man in there. Yeah. Man. Okay. I, uh, it changes the game when you play in a park like that. It's funny. I don't know why I have this weird comparison, but I, I've been watching. I have some relatives that are, are that are young that are playing, you know, super high end travel baseball at 13 years old. And Brandon Inges has, you know, park that he is part of in Brighton is called Legacy Field, and they have a field that 13 year olds are playing on that's super small. And it's it's you know it, as soon as anybody squares one up, it just goes it's flying straight out, you know? So it reminds, I don't think there's ever a ball that you don't square up in Cincinnati that does not leave the yard. You don't, you don't, have, there, there's no loss of homers in Cincinnati. So, um, that's a great choice. It's funny. Funny. You say, I think that's a really, really good choice of a surprise, you know, really high. I think Justin Turner probably is pretty good in the national league. He can be very, very streaky. I always like Michael um, Brantley. Michael Brantley, one of my favorite pure hitters of the mm, last decade or so. That's a high end choice. Code, you got you got anybody else? I love that Chipper Jones, the LK line of the South. I think. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, here's a crazy one, not for the batting title, but to have a really good year. How about Jacoby Jones? You yeah. know, I wanted I wanted to talk about Jacoby Jones because. We had we have talked about Harold Castro, who is just you know looking baseball player in the history of the world. Guy. He he is just he has like thirteen or fourteen hits. It feels like from what you guys have told me, and it was funny because only you know, eight he, at bats too. Amazing when, when he was when he was <laughs> when he was he got his first couple hits. I I was teasing Cody in a, in a few direct messages, and then I went and pulled up this baseball savant page, which I, I had. To be very honest with you, I look at a lot of baseball savant, fan graph, baseball reference pages, and I was doing a deep dive on Harold Castro's page because it always seems like he's doing something good. And then I looked at his his, 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 his savant page, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is – he is a terrible, <laughs> terrible baseball player. Holy smokes. How can you be at the bottom of every single metric in including defense for every position, every position defensively, every hard hit rate, every walk rate, every, everything. It was, it was in it. And I see that it morphed into a Cody Stavenhagen athletic uh, blurb the other day where you actually quoted all these things. And it, it was just shocking because a guy that seemingly and, is and getting to so read uh, the quote when I asked Ron Gardenhire about it. Yeah. And he said, <laughs> He said, oh, I don't, I don't have it verbatim, but it was, he, he must be screwing with your metrics. Maybe he reads your guys' stuff and is trying to prove you wrong. <laughs> I think he just goes out, goes out there and whacks the baseball or something. Yes. Yeah. 
classic Ron Gardenhire. Yeah, a man who played Nick Ponto for seven years. I think Harold Castro was an incredible baseball player. I don't know. And it's, you know, we all joke around about it, but then he just just, keeps getting on base. He doesn't walk, but he... Doesn't walk. Doesn't walk. Is is he made a defensive play today, and it's like it almost seems as as though he is out to prove all modern baseball wisdom wrong. I like. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I joke about it. The more he performs, so Harold Her- 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 Castro is like any super rich dessert. Any night of drinking. <laughs> yeah, I could give you lots of things like this. It's. In, you know what? To do it one night, a lot of fun. But moderation is probably a good idea. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it, but it is uncanny because it's like one of those things that you're watching it and you're going, you know, he's pesky. He's pretty, It's exactly what I wrote Cody the other day. I said, yeah, he's pesky. He's pretty good. And then I looked and I just went, oh, my God. I had no idea it was this bad. And, and he, it, it's just... The numbers do not lie in any way, shape, or form. I, I wish the man a better season. He can hit a single with the best of them, but there isn't a lot of other things there that when you play them too much that seem to turn out well for your team. Now, on the other side of that spectrum, when I did the same thing for Jacoby Jones, it was quite interesting because Jacoby Jones, there were a lot of He's very frustrating. It seemed like he was really compromised on defense last year. And it doesn't ever seem like he walks very much. But guess what? Yep. He had an eight he had an eight point one percent walk rate. Guess what? When he had two hundred and seventy at bats when he was good, his walk rate was over nine. And if you take out the seven for fifty one start last year, he hit two fifty five and I bet you his OBP was over three twenty five. And he has some power. And guess what? When Savant did his defensive metrics, as opposed to defensive run save or user, he was a plus one. So all of a sudden, his hard hit rate, 41%. Jacoby Jones, if he could stay healthy, maybe he could do a few things. Well, and he uh, he made some swing changes last year, too. You know, I mean, he, he lowered his hands. Uh, he You know, he kind of trimmed the, the kick and, and did a little bit better job not flying open. The weird thing about Jacoby Jones is he cannot hit left-handers. Like, I guess there are just guys like that, but you don't really think about the guy who can't hit the opposite hand. And uh, he's he's that guy. It's, it's peculiar. It is. It is definitely peculiar. But, you know, look, I got news for you. Jacoby, obviously, is going to be healthy. He's going to be the starting center fielder. I'm not sure if he should be hitting nine or one. But you could do a lot worse than hitting Jacoby Jones one, Nico Goodrum two, Miguel Cabrera three, and CJ Cron four. They, they they could do a lot worse than that. And yeah, then I, you, you know, go then you go like like Scope, you know, Stewart, one of those two. Candelario. Yeah, Candelario. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then down to your catcher and you know whoever the the slappy other outfielder is. Can't, you know, maybe you lead off Cam Maben and you, you go with Jacoby ninth. I don't know. Depending so, on who's there. Co- Co- Cody, what have you seen from Jacoby and, and, and Heimer Condelario? Because they're obviously two pretty, it's two pretty important seasons for both of them. And, uh, uh, you know, they both, they both actually have some legitimate skill. 
Yeah, on Jacoby, I think some of the most interesting things, if you go to fan graphs and look at it, is his plate discipline. Um, his chase rate dropped by 5%. His overall swing rate dropped by 5%. His contact rate, both in and outside the zone, jumped by more than 4%. It's actually 12% better than it was two years ago. There are a lot of signs of tangible um Improvement. improvement over the past two years if he could carry that on to a third year suddenly we're talking about a, a, a decent hitter um with power with, yeah. with some yeah. pop it's, so it's really interesting at the same time this guy's had almost a thousand major league plate appearances he's got to be close to what you see is what you get right right that, that's what you would think, but when you look at some of these other numbers, you see, well, he's, he's kind of still improving. So it's totally a big year um, in his career. Uh, a lot of potential. Look, he's not going to play at that MVP level he did for a little bit last summer, uh, you know, for the rest of his career or anything. But if he starts off right, if he stays healthy, Maybe a guy who has a really good year in a 60-game season. Yeah, he has so many uh, uh, force mul- multipliers in his game, you know. If, if he just has a good year making contact, I think, you know, I look back at, like, his old grades, you know, like um, the raw power grade for him was 55. I mean, I'd put it at easy 60 now, you know, maybe more than that. Like, Jacoby Jones, when he lays into the ball, I've, I've seen hit hit the ball 440, 450 feet on numerous occasions. Um, and, you know, the speed isn't, like, you know, burner speed, but he, he's just one of those dudes who has knack for irritating pitchers, um, you know, for taking the extra base and being aggressive and, and creating a little havoc out there. There's always been a lot of like the, the you know, the carrying tool is the problem, but all the sort of ancillary tools have always been pretty strong. So I can see it coming together for him. You know, he's, he's, he always seemed like one of those guys too, who, who maybe got by on his athleticism too much for too long, you know, moved around, didn't find a position, um, you know, and maybe, you know, was just a little bit banged up a few times. He, he's kind of had that tendency to, to have the quad issue a couple times a year from running around out there. Um, there's just all those little things. I, I could see it coming together for, for Jacoby now that he's a, you know, he's a family man now. He had his first kid. Like, he's got all the motivation in the world for, like, the next couple years to try to make this miss, make this happen. So, yeah, I, I think there's some potential there for, for a pretty exciting season that could, you know, and maybe like a three-war type type player for a couple of years if, if he can kind of keep it together. Yep. I, I think Jamer Candelario, so he's almost the opposite in that you watch him at the plate and you're like, this guy has a pretty mature plate approach. He looks like a little bit more of an advanced, more polished player, yet the results have been even, you know, arguably even worse to the point where it's like, okay, does this guy have any, or is it just time? Um, I don't know. He didn't look good in spring training at all, which which was kind of discouraging. But when you compare, I don't know. He had a great first half of 2018. His second half really ruined his numbers. But you look at some of the peripherals there; they weren't all that different in 2018. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, is there still something here or not? I can't quite figure it out. The eye test tells me this guy can still play. Uh, but since I've been covering the Detroit Tigers, I've seen zero results in any setting out of Jamer Candelario. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I have two words for Heimer Candelario, and I, I, I've talked about it with Brandon before on our pods, which is 
swing hole. He has a swing hole. And, you know, it's basically uh, from, you know, the top of his, you know, it's, it's, it's left-handed. And it's from, you know, the top, top of his shin on his left leg up to the top of his thigh, off the plate inside, especially against spin. It's how they've been getting him out for a year and a half. He just can't lay off the pitch. I'm not sure, you know, what they've tried. I'm sure they've tried everything. I'd be very interesting, interested to know, you know, I, I, I'm sure you saw this too, Code. They, you know, he worked out a lot with Robinson Cano. And you can say a lot of things about Robinson Cano, but Robinson Cano can flat out rake. So I'd be interested if, He's, you know, mentored him a little bit about approach. I'm sure they've watched plenty of video. It's not a lack of work ethic in Heimer Condelario, but the question is, can he close up his swing hole? If he can, you know, Heimer Condelario is going to go from um, basically, you know, borderline, you know, being DFA to a three-war player. I don't think there's any room for difference between those two levels. He's either out of here or if he fixes himself, he's a three-war player because he plays very solid defense, and he walks a ton, and he has some decent power. And so if he's going to be okay, he's going to be a pretty damn good player. If he's not going to be okay, he's going to be playing in AAA, or he's going to be playing for another team. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of how I, I think that he and Jacoby are both very, very interesting. And, you know, either they're going to be players they can use or players they can't use, and I'm pretty confident that these 60 games are going to be a point in time where they have to draw a line in the sand and show people that, you know, they can have some level of being a reliable starting baseball player. If not, I don't, I, I would say that there's a good chance neither will be on the roster next year. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I, I had not looked at this until just now and I want to look, dig a little deeper into it. Um, as we go along here, but on fan graphs, it indicates Jamer Candelario was horrible against fastballs last year. And in 2018, he was pretty good. He was worth 7.4 fastball runs. So he had more success against a fastball than the average replacement player in 2019, all the way down to negative 6.8. I didn't quite realize that. But it yeah. indicates he's really bad against fastballs. I'm not sure why. I guess the only thing that can sometimes trip that up is if they've really just kind of dialed it in that you can just throw breaking balls down and into him all day and he'll swing over them. And you might, you might see like the usage change so much that that, that kind of throws that calculation off sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell because I've noticed the hole that Mark's talking about, but it also seems like you can just blow him away at the top of the zone um, with regularity. And, you know, he had that Hammett bone injury and that was kind of like what short-circuited like you know when they traded for him in what was 2017 you know like yeah that first you know basically 120 games you know the end of that year and into the next year he was he looking was great and, uh, good. and then you know that that first inkling of that hand injury showed up and he's never been the same since and i it's not that his swing has changed i can't really see anything for it but it does seem like that injury can really, really screw some guys up long-term. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it either. But, uh, yeah, it's been disappointing because he really he really did look the part when he came over. He, he just looks very professional, um, you know, spits on some close pitches, looks calm in there, 
you know, pretty nice stroke, but, um, but yeah, just the results have not come. Okay. So to get back to a couple of predictions, you guys have any thoughts on, uh, division winners or who, uh, who you think is going to be tough? I just, predictions are so tough this year. (laughs) I think it's, it's everything out the books. I like the white Sox just tearing it up. Uh, some of that young talent getting hot. It's not really based on anything. I just think it would be fun. So I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, just a lot of fun predictions like that. I think the the Indians roster is brittle enough that they that they're not going to be able to like you know one one injury or one problem there could could just sink them. So yeah, I could see it being the White Sox and the and the Twins, you know, duking it out. I still you know the Twins have done such a good job, but I still like look through their pitching staff. And I'm still not super impressed. So, I don't know. I could see the White Sox kind of going off and doing something, for sure. And this might be their year to kind of take off. Yeah, I, I'm a, I like, man, I, I'm a big Thad Levine guy. The more I sit and watch him talk, it's just, man, is he smart. Holy smokes, he's smart. And the Twins are, you know, they're yes, they're pitching kind of, you shake your head, you know, kind of what comes after Barrios, but he, Boy, the Twins can really mash, to say the least. And they and, will make uh, up a bull, you know, and they'll put their guys in the bullpen. You know, they, you know, they're the type who would be willing to put like a Grotterall right in there this year, you know, and, and go for it. I, I, I'll tell you, a weird team have just no pitching at all. But go, go look at their team. They, they can kind of mash. How about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Oh, go, yeah. go take a look there. I mean, your outfield is Joe Adele, yeah, Mike Trout, Justin Upton. They got Randone to play third now. Yep. Simmons at short. Uh, Fletcher probably, I, yeah. He's a, he's an annoying bat. He's, he's, he's captain OBP, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, look, look they have the – most mean-spirited owner in baseball. I'm not. A, I hate Artie Moreno, but they're and their bullpen, weirdly, of a bunch of no names, was not not terrible last year. So yeah, you know, it's not good having Andrew Haney as your number one. But you know, it, <laughs> yeah, they 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 can hit the baseball a little bit there, and, and they do have one of Brandon Day's favorite minor league players in Brandon Marsh. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I I mean, I'd like to get Joe uh, Adele, but yeah, you know, they should have traded, you know, Brandon Marsh for Matt Boyd, and they they'd actually have, you know, they'd have a shot this year. But they they, they didn't do it. It is a team that that is a team that that Brandon Day Day has suggested for Matthew Boyd quite a few times. They need the pitching, yeah, and you know he he'd fit right in out there. So obviously he might fit well with the Mariners or any other number of places. it, it, I also like Atlanta. I think Atlanta is a, a pretty good baseball team. It's going to be tough for them to do much without Freddie Freeman, but I'm hoping that Freddie comes back. I don't think they'll miss Nick Markakis in the least. Here's my but, World Series. Here, I'll, I'll make a wild World Series prediction because why not? Cincinnati Reds, Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> both both teams have plenty of pitching depth. Like the Rays are more creative. Uh, you know, the Reds have got you know some pretty damn good bats. They're going to run out Bauer, Sonny Gray. Luis Castillo, they've got a couple guys in the bullpen like Garrett. Um, they they could make a run as as well as anybody in the National League, in my opinion. Other than all right, the Dodgers, but <laughs> they got a shot. 
Yeah. You got, a shot. You got that, any dark horses, Cody, or no? Uh, I, no, I think the White Sox are my big dark horse. I think yeah. there's one team that's really, really good at baseball that we forget about. Buzzers or no buzzers. It's the Houston Astros, man. Yep. True I would never <laughs> want to play them. And I think they might just win the World Series as uh, the biggest villain since the Black Sox. And uh, it'd be a very fitting for the year 2020. Yeah, uh, I think that's my they're my World Series picks. And they just rub that, it in everybody's face. Yeah, I oh, love it. I mean, Brandon and I <laughs> exchanged our version of baseball porn the other day with uh, watching uh, Justin Verlander's Instagram feed of him throwing pitches in the bullpen, and it it is just amazing to watch how His- many innings that arm has on it, and it's just that fastball is just so electric. His mechanics Still, have gotten better. Like his mechanics have gotten better almost every year over the, since he came back from the groin surgery. It's just tighter and tighter. You know, getting that arm slot a little bit higher to get more and more of that true ride on on the fastball. Uh, yeah, and you know, perfect timing for him. You know, tears up the groin this time, and this time he had all the time in the world. Didn't have you know the Tigers needing him back right away, which was stupid, and I said so at the time. Uh, back in the day, but yeah, it's all kind of set up for them. That you know, run him and Granky out. They've got McCullers back. They they're going to be really tough. They they always are. I I think the Yankees obviously are going to. I mean, can you imagine if Giancarlo Stanton actually and Judge stayed healthy for sixty games? It, yeah. It, it yeah, they be pretty nasty. Yeah, they just need their um, their pitchers to hold up. You know, I mean, they need to have Garrett Cole. And they need to have James Paxton at least, like at least those two going well. Um, it sounds like Tanaka is okay after getting line drived in the head. Sounds like he's fine, so so they should have him back. I mean, they're obviously going to be really tough. I just like the Rays because I think there's going to be so many weird things to deal with, and the Rays deal with weird things better than everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it could be fun. Right. So, Code, we know you went on vacation. We yeah. know you went. Down, we we know you went to Texas and. I don't. I'm sure you went a few other places, and Brandon Day and I, both fans of, in our especially Mark Gorash in his younger life, of uh, having a good time and some debauchery. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your vacation. I know you had you had some fun. So give give us a little flavor for what you did. Oh, I feel bad now. I didn't. I didn't really get into any debauchery. It's debauchery is harder to come by in the in the days of COVID. Um, it is. Yeah. Well, and camping, you know, I mean. Camping, you don't need to be. You don't need debauchery when you're camping because you're outside and having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't really a vacation. It was kind of a four day like Father's Day weekend. Get, you know, get the hell out of here after being in the house for forever. So, uh, went home to Texas. I mean, I don't know. Just kind of got to hang out with family. Definitely got uh, got drunk on multiple occasions. Um, definitely pretended like the whole COVID thing didn't exist, which luckily, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, uh, came back okay. And then you saw the numbers in that state skyrocket about two days after, after I left. So, and I wasn't surprised, man, it was not, um, not a lot of precautions being taken there. So the first day or two, I was kind of like, okay, what is this? But then it, it rubs off on you. I don't know. We had my mom has a like a barn actually, which is which is very Texas, and we had kind of a family party in there. Um, I'd be lying if I said I remembered it all. So <laughs> good. I definitely yeah. wrestled my younger brother. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can guess who won that. It was me. 
Uh, and then uh, went, went to my grandparents' house, and uh, they have a little pond, caught a couple bass, so that was nice. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a Brandon Day thing. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, so really, that was it, but it was a nice few days to kind of get away and, and reset the mind a little bit and, uh, yeah, kind of try to get away from the virus and all the concern. And then the... And luckily the... got to... Are you a yeah, big camper? It's... I mean, do, do you like, I mean, do you, are you kind of like into the outdoors thing in general? ATVs, hunting, fishing, camping, um, campfires? I, I don't hunt. never been big into, I, I don't know, killing things for sport. Um, yeah, I don't I'm hunt not super <laughs> guns, although when you're in Texas, like someone ends up putting a gun in your hand, they're like, you want to go shooting? And like, I'll go. When you're I, like I, five, yeah. You're five yeah, years old. <laughs> not, not big, I, I don't hunt. Um, I've actually never really been camping, which is one of. Oh. I like to complain about this with my family, like all the time. We'd be like, "Oh, next summer we should go camping. <laughs> next summer we should go skiing." And I've never done either of those things, but I generally love the outdoors, so I'm sure I would enjoy camping. I bet I would love skiing. Uh, I've been on like a lot of hiking stuff like that. I actually, you know, if you told me to pitch a tent, though, I would I would have no idea how to do it. I'm sure I could learn. Um, yeah, you'd figure that so out. So anyway, my answer on that. Love the outdoors, but, uh, you know, some things I'd like to continue to experience a little more. Have you, I, I guess where I'm going with this is, have you gotten to explore Michigan to any degree? Like, have you gotten to the Upper Peninsula or like the Traverse or West Coast Dunes type areas or anything like that? Yeah, that's not as much as I would like to. I went um, last summer, went over to, um, you know, just like Holland and Lake Michigan with my with my girlfriend at the time. Haven't explored the UP or even been to Traverse, which I really want to do. It's kind of a, um, I mean, maybe I should just say screw it. But, I, you know, I kind of live by myself, only know kind of a few people around here. So it kind of hurts the propensity for, you know, yeah. going on little trips or adventures. It'd be a lot better if... Uh, had a, a friend or two to go with, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like the thing to experience in, in group fashion, although I've become not- notorious in the last few years for um, just taking a van up to the UP by myself and mountain biking all these trails where I could uh, potentially end up dead in the woods by myself. So That's I, I can... an awesome idea. Maybe we should all go the, the Daniel Norris route a little bit and do do more stuff like that. Yeah, I, I can tell you that. You know, I, I, I like to go to Charlevoix. I have friends that have a beautiful house in an area in Charlevoix called Boulder Park, which is really damn, super damn nice. Um, it's right by Lake Michigan. That's a beautiful area to be in. So, you know, it's the Traverse City, Charlevoix, Petoskey. It's kind of in the north. Uh, wow, we have a flash flood warning? Really? Um we it's in the northwest part of the state, kind of, and uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. I think you'd really like it, Code. I mean, it's it's hard not to like. I mean, in, in you know, as long as you're hanging in Michigan, you got to kind of sneak across. You got to go see the Mackinac Bridge and go at least to the island, at least for the you know, as a day trip when you're up there. It's always it's something beautiful in this country to see at least one time, and the bridge is pretty amazing so yeah um, I, I just like to brag on yeah you know I mean Texas just just is such a mythical place to me and, and has so much you know diverse you know nature and, and terrain and everything 
And uh, and I just like to brag on Michigan that way because uh, I think most of the rest of the country kind of sleeps on Michigan, and there really isn't anything better. Like we have better shoreline than basically any state in the country. So you know, I mean, if people like swimming in cold weather in the Pacific, uh, that's fine. But you know, I'll take you know just pristine sand dunes and just pure blue Lake Michigan, sixty-five, seventy-degree water. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just uh, yeah, I'm just we should we should all try to figure out a way to do something about that. But of course, we're all here in the summer covering baseball, and it just screws all these kinds of plans up. Yeah, and so Code, I assume that if you made your way back to Texas, and uh, you probably had to take some car rides a few times, so. We always like to ask you what was what was on the summer. You know, Brandon and I obviously pretty vocal about our our musical likes. So tell tell me what you were listening to during the pandemic and during vacation and stuff. You listen to anything good? <laughs> uh, yeah, but when when in Texas, especially now that I, I don't actually live there anymore, I lean hard into it when I go home and, yes. and kind of overdo the stereo. There's a song by John Wolf called That's Not Very Texas of You. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, the moral of the story is don't drive slow on the highway. Um, but but some other good like actual Texas artists, Flatland Cavalry, a little band out of Lubbock, Texas, that just has some heartbreaking um, songs. Tremendous. Uh, and then Co Wetzel, another Texas artist who kind of a harder, you know, southern rocks type sound. A guy I've discovered recently. Both those are really good artists I've come across recently. Um, I'm trying to think back to earlier in the pandemic. I definitely got off just the the country thing a little bit. Uh, um, I don't know what, what were you guys listening to. I mean, honestly, I've been like it's been all like comfort food for me. Um, I don't know yeah. if that's just because because of how stressful everything's been the last few months, but I haven't really been listening to anything new. I've just been going back to, to yeah, kind of all my uh, all my favorites for the most part. Listening to a lot of classic rock. Um, I've I've felt the, the urge to listen to a whole bunch of Rage Against the Machine again because <laughs> it just seems uh, perfectly fitting for the for the moment. Um, so yeah, I've been listening to them a lot. But um, but yeah, a lot of weird folk stuff. I, I've always liked like um, Neutral Milk Hotel, Devondra Banhart, all that kind of stuff. So I've been listening to them and Joanna Newsom. Uh, who I, I don't know if people out there are familiar, but Joanna Newsom is a is a genius. Who, uh, if you don't like hate her voice, you will you will worship her as your goddess forever. A harpist, incredibly dense lyricist, like really a beautiful voice. But she has a high, like kind of elvenish voice that a lot of people probably wouldn't like, or at least a lot of guys don't seem to to like. Uh, you know, female singers for whatever reason. That's kind of been a thing. So, I've been, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of that stuff and uh, and just the usual classic rock and hip-hop and stuff like that. But I haven't really been digging into anything new. I, I very much have been uh, turning into old guy who doesn't listen to, to, to the, the new kids' music anymore. <laughs> so maybe that happens when you turn 45. I don't know. Yeah, well, guys, I'm 64 years old, and I, uh, I grew up in uh, the late 60s and the 70s as my foundation of music. I like a lot of nineties stuff too, but, and you talk about comfort food, you know, I'm not, I'm pretty vocal about what I've been listening to. I've been, I found myself to just be monstrously overweight, not just for me, just for anybody. I mean, and then I decided that I've done this before and I basically stopped eating all carbohydrates, try to eat 1500 calories a day and start exercising a hell of a lot more. And, Lo and behold, I lost, you know, over 20 pounds here in the last five weeks. Who knew? Nice. Um, so when I go on these walks that are four to five mile walks, 
Beverly Hill is a beautiful place to walk. My subdivision, you know, be been over my little house, and it's it's just really cool in here. You got Woodward on one side, you got Beverly Hills on the other side, and it's just a lot of nice stuff to walk around in. A lot of dangerous I, restaurants I, for the no carb. Oh uh, yeah, I don't even, don't even think who goes out to a restaurant now. I mean, I I, I got oh, a barbecue, true, yeah. but my barbecue's getting a workout in the back, and you know, it's <laughs> I I've been pretty regimented about what I'm eating. I had my my wife. We had one of our favorite dinners from a place called Cheese Express tonight, which was the bone chicken with this ridiculous seasoning on it, and they give you a ton of rice and a salad. And I was like, Mrs. G, you get all the rice tonight, baby. I stopped and <laughs> bought a package. I bought a packaged spinach, you know, salad, and you know, at the supermarket, made that, ate the chicken, and I'm, I'm trying to behave myself because. I want to try to lose 50 pounds because I'm too old to be fat and it's too easy for me not to be fat. So I've been, like I said, walking four to five miles. And if I'm not listening to podcasts, and there's so many great ones now, I just listened to one on Almost Famous today from James Miller's doing a series on stuff like that. And uh, But I, I like listen to a lot of Chris Cornell today. Oh, yeah. I, and I've got, you know, I've been known to search YouTube for people doing their stuff live. And I know Brandon... You're a pretty talented musician, so I, it's it's when you watch people who wait, are able wait, to wait, do wait. their music. I, I am I am they, not a talented musician at all. <laughs> I am okay. I am a semi competent guitar player. That's about all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, then you're a slightly better guitar player than me. Maybe. And and it, but you know my theory is if if you watch people do their music live, if they can really do it live, it tells me a lot about how good they are. So I, I I've done some deep dives and I found some Chris Cornell stuff where you just basically sat there with a guitar and it's just amazing, amazing stuff. I also have gotten back into listening a lot of pre-1980 Elvis Costello, um, which is, you know, there's some pretty historic stuff there. And believe it or not, I grew up and was seven, eight, nine years old when the Beatles were breaking in America and for a long time, I have ignored a lot of my Beatles roots. But this summer, I downloaded, ripped, and put together a few playlists of Beatles stuff, you know, 15, 18 songs. And there's really some great stuff to listen to doing that. And I also did the same thing with the Stones. They're, they're so different, the two of them. And to listen to the old stuff that was done in the 60s and how it was mastered you know, the Stones are actually so much more talented musically than people have any re- remembrance of it. It's, it's been, a, it's been pretty fun to listen to. I mean, I, I have my go-to stuff that I always like to listen to, you know, my stuff I listen to like Oasis and some other stuff, but I, I've been kind of going through some cycles of listening to some of that older stuff and on my walks and, uh, if you see uh, a six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound guy walking around between uh, Greenfield and Southfield, south of fourteen mile, and it looks like uh, he's in his own world, that would be me, and just wave. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been listening to, to say the least. Yeah, I do like to skip all around, all around through the through the decades. I mean, there's just so much good music um, from back then, and and I I totally agree with the. If you listen to someone live and and they don't sound good and and you try something else and it's it's not that good, it it just changes the way I feel about an artist. Whereas like um 
like Lady Gaga actually surprisingly like totally opened my eyes by like just watching her like sit and play ja- oh. jazz and piano. I don't know, like it wasn't that long before that movie came out, which I still haven't seen. But I hadn't really paid her that much mind until that point, and then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, she's like a hundred percent legit." You know, I thought this was yeah, she, just kind of another dance pop girl. Um, no, so yeah, she's she's a she's monster. Crazy. She's great. She's yeah, she's a crazy talented musician and and performer to say the least. I will say, Code, you you'll appreciate this. I was I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, you know the Eagles are not only the pretty fun but they they know how to package their stuff uh to say the least and make money at it so they they put a three-hour concert from the they did a few concerts at the forum in 2018 and they packaged it together and they somehow got espn to play it last sunday night for three hours between 8 and 11 so i've seen them (laughs) these guys are like they're desperate for content in the sports world that's for sure there's just nothing to play but what was amazing is the last time I saw them here in the Palace, by the way, um, was the last tour that Glenn Fry did. And, you know, Cody, whether you know, you're know big Eagles fan or not, probably not a little, little, little oldish for you. But Glenn, Glenn, yeah, Glenn Fry, though, from Royal Oak, Michigan, by the way. And uh, he never really publicized it too much. But it was cool to see him here. Uh, in his essentially his hometown, but was really interesting to watch this uh, three-hour Eagle, you know, Eagles conglomeration concert from the Forum that was from 2018 was basically to replace Glenn Fry. They added Vince Gill, oh. and yeah, and uh, Glenn Fry's son. And I got to tell you, Vince Gill with the Eagles, was phenomenal. He w- It was a perfect marriage of skills there. He say, his singing was, you know, perfect, and he played, he's actually a pretty solid damn guitar player. So uh, uh, it, was, it was pretty astonishing to me how well he blended in. It was almost seamless. And, yeah, that, uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that, that seems like about, about the right fit. Yeah. It, it, it is, you know, there's also a guitarist in the Eagles that's been playing with them since like 2001. His name is Stuart Smith. And they don't really even credit him for being in the Eagles, although he's been doing this for the last 17 years. And he basically took over a lot when Don Felder left. And he is just a super talented guitarist. And the Eagles are really, really professional. They, I mean, they, they've gone, they, they've weaved a lot of, of old Joe Walsh stuff in. I mean, I know in, in, in our, in a chat that we have Cody with, with Roger and Chris and those guys, you know, Roger's talking about the James gang today. And I was, that was Joe Walsh's original band was the James gang. So, um, and the Joe James, Walsh, the James gang has some jams. Like, honestly, I'd rather listen to the James gang than the Eagles at this point. I've just, I, I, I've heard I too much it. of the Eagles. I, get it. <laughs> I understand. I like a lot of yeah, Eagles but songs, I mean, but that was that's my dad's band, and um, I grew up listening to tons of them. So I have nothing bad to say. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you, but you know Joe Walsh. I mean, they they were really this this stuff in the forum. They were super polished. It was they were they they never disappoint you if you pay big money to go see them. They they're really good about making sure they play all their hits and they play them well. And just like I said, Vince Gill. In the Eagles, you wouldn't think it was going to be great, but it was pretty great, believe it or not. So uh, <laughs> it's, it goes to show you, man. So, 
Anyways, well, um, it should start getting inter- interesting because wh- when do they start playing exhibition games, Cody? They play if they play some next week, don't they? Uh, as far as I know, they're not playing another team until the um, what the twenty twenty first and twenty second in Cincinnati. So, so uh, I don't know. but they're going to start. I think they're going to stream the scrimmage tomorrow and Sunday, right? Tomorrow and Sunday, you guys will be able to watch it on Tigers dot com. Uh, <clears throat> Send on the call, so that that'll be good, and that'll mean I'll uh, I, I won't tweet as much play by play, which is good. So um, yeah, yeah, that, and that's good for everyone. It, they should have been streaming these from day one. Of course, they weren't quite prepared for that, but yeah, um, I was watch uh, Saturday and Sunday has a few more. I was hoping they were going to give Brandon and my buddy Danny Hasty uh, a little burn on some of these uh, <laughs> be cool inner squad yeah. games and streaming, you know. And hopefully they'll they'll figure out a way how to do that because God knows that Danny is really really good at what he does, and the fact that they've canceled the Whitecap season makes me sad because yeah, you know Dan should be working. He's 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 really really good. And you know, so Danny, shout out to you, brother. And uh, if you guys follow uh, follow Isaac on Twitter. Shout out to Isaac. We're 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 thinking about your buddy and hoping for the best because uh, I think he talked a little bit about his cancer fight today, and he's a damn fun guy and a fun follow on Twitter, if, especially if you like food. And yep, he lives in South he lives in Southfield, Michigan, and we're thinking about you and and, and hoping for the best for him. So yeah, um, absolutely. Anyways, it's it's good to have baseball back and. Kobe, we really appreciate you coming to hang out with us from time to time to talk baseball because, at least for right now, you're, you're Brandon Day and Mark Gorosh's eyes down there, so we're dependent <laughs> on you to uh, keep, you know, be paying attention and seeing what's going on. Yep. But, yeah, it'll be nice to get, get, a, little, uh, get a little, you know, little visual on what's going on down there. Um, and, and, you know, I think it'll be good for the fans just to kind of get used to what it's going to look like because, you know, there's not going to be fans in the stands. It's going to be a little weird. Um, so, yeah, it's good to start working everybody into that and get a look at some of the pitchers out there and see how things are uh, coming along. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch some baseball here. So let's do this. Well, absolutely. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting for sure. Who knows what's going to happen in the next couple months. Yeah. yeah, it should be fun. And the last thing I'd like to reiterate to people is, and it's hard to believe coming from me, but look, we played for a week. Be patient. It's going to look a lot different three, four weeks from now. I, you know, there's no question about it. These guys, as well conditioned as they are, it, it, it takes a few weeks to get your timing down, and you know, before you're ready to start doing real baseball things. So I'm, I'm going to just reserve judgment on some of this for another week or two to see what's up. Yeah, and it's just like we've said, it's going to be such a weird crapshoot this year. Like, just just enjoy what you get, you know? We're just going to have to take it as it comes and see how things play out. But, yeah, Cody, right, Cody, 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 really appreciate you being on, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, sure, anytime. It was a lot of fun. All right, Cody, we'll check back in in a few weeks, and you can kind of update us. All right, sounds good. I'll talk to you then. All right, All right. boys, be good. Yep, you guys, too. Have a good weekend.
Hey folks, welcome back for part two of our interview with Cody Stavenhagen. Cody is the Detroit Tigers beat writer for The Athletic Detroit. Um, this is another combo podcast between myself, Brandon Day of the Bless You Boys podcast and Mark Garash of the Don't Call It a Rebuild, It's a Team Build podcast. Um, in part two of this uh, fairly lengthy interview, we're going to talk a little bit about the bullpen. Um, you're probably going to find out that both Mark and I are a little bit of the view that Spencer Turnbull is is the proverbial hot potato. We're going to talk about Jacoby Jones and a little bit of Harold Castro, the magic man. Um, Kristen Stewart a little bit. Some of the guys who are a little bit on the cusp, um, sort of between like the prospects, the one or two established guys that the Tigers actually have. Um, so we're going to get into those guys, talk a little bit about predictions um, and the impossibility of predictions this season. And then at the end, we'll just chat Cody up a little bit um, about what he's been doing over the last couple months with no real baseball news to report on. Um, we're all back back into it now, which is great. We're seeing some Tigers baseball on the live stream, at least. And so let's get this pod back underway. And thanks a lot for joining us again. <laughs> 